This is Guardy with Clear Live Combat. Today I get to talk to Ethan and Sarah Chamberlain out of Texas Third Coast MMA. I'm Ethan Chamberlain. I'm a jiu-jitsu black belt and I train out of Texas Third Coast MMA in Sugar or Stafford now. We just actually recently moved. And I'm Sarah Chamberlain, also a black belt instructor uh, with Texas Third Coast MMA. And then I've also started teaching at uh, Third Ward Jiu-Jitsu as well in Third Ward in Houston. So how are y'all liking that, the new facility, the move? I heard it wasn't that far, but it is, I guess, Sugarland Stafford, just a little bit. How are y'all liking the new spot? Uh, we think it's pretty good. You know, it's a much um, kind of a different floor layout now. So we got a bigger space. It's more of a square layout than what our old rectangle is. It's a little bit, probably about, I'd say about three to five minutes down the road now. So it's not too far away, but I, we enjoy it pretty well. Yeah, I really enjoy the new facility. I think that it does um, help, especially with our classes growing so much. I think it does give us a little bit more space and more accommodation for more students as well. Sarah, if somebody hasn't been to Texas Third Coast MMA before, what do you guys offer there and why should they come check it out? So we have Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. We have uh Muay Thai kickboxing. We also have regular boxing classes. We have a lot of uh, kids and junior MMA and jiu-jitsu classes as well. And I think the youngest that we have is our little Phoenix class. And um, usually the ages will range, but usually it's around five to seven years old. Um, so kind of caters to, you know, whatever you're wanting. So if you're first starting out, if you're already seasoned in training, um, we can kind of incorporate and work around whatever your skill level is to be able to help you learn whatever martial arts you're wanting to learn. You know, Ethan, what, what's your background? When did you start training? And, and then I want to get into what you have going on here currently. So I've been training for 10 or 11 years now. I, um, I actually got started because my doctor one day just said, Hey, I just got my purple belt and I want to start training people. Do you want? So I, mm -hmm. I said, sure, that's something to do. I, I never really was into martial arts, never even knew about UFC or what jujitsu was before that, but I just had free time on my hands at the time. So I just jumped in and then I just pretty much fell in love with it. I uh, started with jujitsu for the first year or two. And then I started to get in a little into stand up, And then I've Got into uh, Jeet Kune Do and Kali and started learning boxing and kickboxing and MMA. I've had, you know, meet up stick fights and different stuff. Had a couple of little semi smokers. And I've also recently just had a uh, MMA fight back in October. You know, learning about jujitsu through your doctor has to be a pretty good relationship because those those injuries tend to happen. So you have that good connection right there. Like, Doc, look at my arm, right? My shoulder. Yeah. That's why I think I tell some people because I'm a physical therapist assistant, I said it's a pretty good referral service because I break them here and then fix them up later. Yeah. So one of my coaches, he's a, a physical therapist as well. And it's like a, a job security type thing. <laughs> I can reset this, but help you get through those injuries. But those those things happen. It's just part of the part of the sport, I suppose. Right. Yeah, it happens all the time. You know, it's always funny. They always say I'm like the team medic there because usually right in the middle of the class, whenever somebody somebody gets hurt or tweaks something, I'm usually the first one right on it to start getting them to do some exercises to try to fix it as quick as we can. Mm -hmm. So at that point, whenever your doctor lets you know what he had going on, were you currently in school to become a, a you know, to work in physical therapy or is that something that you found and, and started pursuing later? So I was actually, I had, um, I already had an EMT, a ba EMT basic degree. So I had passed my boards for that and I was getting ready to go to that. But I kind of just decided that I wanted to do something a little bit more than just 
you know, ride on the ambulance and stuff. So I started looking at different jobs and my aunt was actually a PTA. So I went and shadowed her and I found out that I said, well, I actually like helping people and this is a good chance to do it and get a little bit of knowledge with the body. So I kind of feel that jujitsu and, and physical therapy go hand in hand because I have to have an intimate knowledge of all the joints and the muscles and how the body works so that I can manipulate it. Yeah, it's a little bit. It, that has to be an advantage. Yeah. Right. Sarah, how about you? How did you find martial arts? Was it jujitsu first? And, and how did that how did you end oh, up for, sticking with it? Oh, so for me, um, I actually started with Jeet Kune Do and Kali. Um, so one of my friends from high school, she was working at a bank at the time. And one of their security workers that was working there, he had said, he's like, oh, there's a because it was right around the holidays. And he had said, oh, hey, there's a free women's self-defense seminar over at my gym that I'm training at. And so we went ahead and we went and we absolutely fell in love with the Solises. They were just amazing, super inviting. And so we decided, okay, like we actually want to try this. So we started with Jeet Kune Do and we did um, their fitness classes that they had as well. And then um, Professor Joe came to me and he said, look, he's like, it's great that you're doing stand up, but what are you going to do if you get knocked to the ground? Um, and so I was like, well, I don't know. So he had me go ahead and try jujitsu and I really loved it. And then about five, six months in, he told me, he said, look, I want you to try one competition. If you hate it, you never have to do it again, but I just want you to try it at least once. And I was like, okay. So I did a nogi. I actually did, um, the dungals through Bushibon, um, did it with them and absolutely loved it. And then I started competing pretty regularly until, uh, up until I was about a purple belt. Um, and I got pregnant. So, um, that, that threw a little bit of a wrench into things as far as like my training, but, um, being able to kind of start off with it, start off and then getting to know the Solisas so well. Also, um, I think that that also having that family environment and because my family growing up, we were also very close. Um, so being able to have kind of like that family environment coming in, that's, I think what was so inviting for it. Um, now granted I was one of the only females we had at our gym. So whenever I first saw jujitsu, I was like, uh, I've never seen any girls doing it. I don't know if this is for me. Yeah. So you mentioned whenever you did try it, you absolutely loved it. And I've had somebody oh. ask me that question before too, is like, why, why do you love it? Cause they haven't gotten on the mat. Can you describe what it is about jujitsu that, that drew you in and I guess kept you locked in and, and keeping, uh, keeping it up. So I think that our, and every, every gym atmosphere is going to be different, but I think that, especially if you're looking into it, cause I, I started jujitsu more for the self-defense aspect of it. So knowing that I am going to be taken care of and I'm, and I'm safely training also, because I know that there are some gyms and every gym has a different dynamic, whatever, you know, you're looking for. Um, but our gym, I felt safe. And that's why I think I enjoyed it so much because I felt like I was being taken care of by my coaches and by my, my training partners. Um, I also felt it was very inviting as well. I felt like everybody was super friendly. Everybody was very encouraging, um, trying to help. And they were also trying to help you. So we, we had, um, not as many upper ranks as we do now at our gym, but we had probably a handful of purple belts. That was probably about the highest rank, um, that we had whenever I first started. And so even at purple belt rank, they were still, they had already, um, adapted that, the mentality of the, that the Solis is really wanted in a gym. And so I think that that's what helped me 
to inviting in and then also staying. Yes. So you mentioned that you did have a, a baby whenever you were uh, at, at Purple at Purple Belt. Um, I guess like that family aspect and you say it's kind of like a family there and it's a, it's a good family environment. You know, do your kids train? Do you have more than one? Is it just the one? We just have the one. She just turned five. Um, and so we really would love for her to train. Um, we are trying to encourage her, trying to make it more fun for her instead of saying like, oh, it's a disciplinary thing right. or like, oh, you're going to do this. We don't want to force her into it. Um, we want it to make it we want to make it natural for her that it's her decision to go into it. Um, now, with that being said, if she does not want to do jujitsu, it will be a little upsetting, but she will at least know how to defend herself. Right. Um, especially being, you know, a, being a female. I feel like every uh, honestly, I feel like uh, martial arts and CPR. They, these are things that I feel everybody should know how to do. Um because I feel like you're better for it. Yes. You know, I want to talk about you and instructing a little bit more and especially like you say, uh, you know, for females as well. But I want to talk to Ethan real quick about his MMA journey and, you know, what struck him to I want to make that walk to the cage. You know why? What what made you say this is for me? So, you know, it's actually funny because most all of my martial arts journey has been the same. Really, it's just someone said like, hey, you should do this. And I was kind of like, uh, I don't really know. And like, go for it. I was like, OK. Yeah. So I um. I'd probably been training stand up for eight years now. And I, um, I never really had an intention to get into the cage. I always just kind of wanted to coach. And most of the reason I, I, I don't really care to compete, but I'd like to do it just to push myself. So a lot of times I do it just so I can tell somebody later that, you know, I've been where you've been. I know what it's like. I know, mm -hmm. I know how you're dealing with it. And so whenever the, um, after kind of COVID started, closed everything down, Fury was down for about a year or two. And so whenever they finally opened up, they had their first fight and we had two of our guys on the card. And so then whenever their second amateur series fight came up in October, one of the uh, uh, Professor Jason actually sent a message to me and one of our other friend. Uh, I think you talked to Danielle earlier, her mm -hmm. her husband, Brandon. Uh, he had sent the Jason had sent the message and said, hey, there's a fight this. And Brandon said, I fully support Ethan doing this. So I said, <laughs> well, I guess I'm doing it then now. Yeah. I said, uh, let me ask my wife first if I, it's okay that I make commit that commitment because I know she's going to have to be supporting me the entire time. And so she said, all right, you can do this one. So uh, I, I just said, okay, let's buckle down and start training for it. So we put in the hard work. Uh, I wouldn't have been able to do it without her by my side. She's, she was the one cooking all my prep meals for me, picking up the slack around the house, and then um, – and then all of my, you know, all of my teammates stepping up to the plate. I really appreciate them stepping up. So I got the MMA fight in. It didn't go how I wanted, but, you know, I was still happy with the performance. I was able to step in there and I appreciated my opponent for taking the step up because it took about five or six people before we could find somebody who would fight me. And then uh, I got it. So after that, I decided I'm going to take a little break, let the other people who want to get their fights in. And then I'll have to talk to my wife before I can do another one. Mm hmm. Is you know you you mentioned your martial arts career has always been like hey you want to try this and it's like okay I guess I'm trying this has that been the case for things in the past and even outside of of combat sports for you? Yeah, you know I I I'm driven and whenever I set my mind to do something I'm probably gonna accomplish it. But usually I never have a goal of like sit down and say this is something I'm gonna do. Usually I kind of the opportunity presents itself. That's how even the 
physical therapy came about, I just kind of found out about it. I didn't seek it out. I found out that I, something I could do. And I said, let me see it. And I decided that was something I was going to do. So I just said, okay, well, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to buckle down and I'll put everything I have into it. So a lot of things in my life, I feel like I just kind of, I just kind of fall into sometimes I don't have a, a set path that I'm trying to follow. It's just something that provides the opportunity. So I just take it and try to pursue it as hard as I can. Mm-hmm. And it's all, you know, you mentioned bringing it up to your family and to your wife saying, hey, you know, can we do this? You know, and it really takes a lot. Would you say that it's the same thing with the whole gym? Because to get a fighter ready, it's I mean, it's a team effort or get somebody ready, right? Oh, yeah, I completely agree. Because, you know, especially at the gym, we always say that you may be the only person stepping onto the mat or on into the ring during that match. But there's been years of time with a with my teammates sitting there training with me hours on end, letting me beat them up, letting, letting me do submissions on them, train on them, whatever. Right. So I definitely would not be where I am if it weren't for my teammates. They're the whole reason that I'm able to do any of this stuff because they're giving me their bodies to use. They're showing up to fight camp on a weeknight when they could be with their family on Saturdays and Sundays you know, they don't have to be there. So I appreciate everybody who shows up because it's really, even though it's just me stepping in there, it's really a whole team behind me who's supporting me there to help me the whole way through. If you're just now joining us, I'm talking to Ethan and Sarah Chamberlain. They both train out of Texas, third coast MMA. Um, Sarah, you talk about going into the instructor side, right? Is that something that you knew you always wanted to do? So I, unlike, unlike Ethan, I actually really enjoyed competing, um, quite a bit. And, um, unfortunately I found out right before the pandemic hit, um, that I had degenerative discs throughout my entire spine. And I've actually had a couple of surgeries already to, uh, fuse my spine and to replace discs in my, in my back. Um, and so after speaking with my surgeon originally, I was told you really shouldn't be doing martial arts or you really shouldn't be doing jujitsu period. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after speaking with my surgeon and he actually took the time to, you know, look into jujitsu and look into, you know, see that there's different levels of training. There's, you know, yeah. you have your, your high intensity competitor and then you have your instructors. And then you also have, you know, hobbyists versus, you know, they're trying to do it for the self-defense aspect. So I, you know, he said, he's like, look, he's like, you can do this long-term but you need to protect your body better. And so this is my way of being able to protect my body better by teaching. And I, in the beginning, I was nervous to teach because I was like, well, I don't know the answers for everything, but what's so great is my, my, our, our instructor, professor Joe, he said, you don't have to know everything. Um, so, you know, that's the great thing about jujitsu. Even if you don't have the answer, we can go look somewhere else or mm-hmm. ask someone else for to get answers. So I think that that eased me a lot um, get going into instructing. Um, and then as far as so I, I do instruct at our at our home gym at Texas Third Coast. And then um, I was also presented with an opportunity to teach with my teammate, Daniel Guevara, who you spoke with a couple of weeks ago. Um, we were presented with the idea of training and doing a women led class through third war jujitsu. Um, so obviously we, we jumped on the opportunity and it's really, it's been a, it's been a great experience all around. And I think that I actually find, and I used to love competing, but I think I actually find more enjoyment in teaching than I do even in ever that I ever did in competing. Yeah. So, so first thing I want to say, how cool it is that you have a doctor that actually looked into jujitsu because that's not necessarily normal or a part of their job, you know? 
and then yeah. kind of worked with you so you could find that fulfillment? Because, I mean, what were those feelings whenever they told you you probably shouldn't be doing this? I mean, I, I was actually straightforward with him and I told him, I said, look, I'm already too far in to stop training now. Yeah. Um, so we're going to have to work around this. And in the beginning, after my initial meeting with him, I, you know, came home and I talked to my husband and I said, look, I may have to find a new surgeon because this one, I don't know if he's going to be a good fit. <laughs> yeah. um, and then I went back to go see him a second time because he, he also didn't want surgery to be my first and only answer. We tried many other options before surgery. And then we just realized, you know what, we're just going to have to do it. But he said, he's like, look, and it, it's like his whole demeanor changed. The second time I came in, his whole demeanor changed. And I know that he genuinely actually wanted to do what was best for me. And if what was best for me was still giving me the ability to train, then that's what he would do. Why are those women led and women self-defense classes so important an opportunity you just had to do? So for me, like I said, whenever I first started, there was little to no women um, in jujitsu. And that's why, you know, it's still even rare. I mean, I've met some women at open mats that they said that I was their very first female black belt that they ever got to meet in person, which I'm really honored, but it also, it makes me so happy also to see so many more women now. Um, and I think that having more women in the sport or having women in positions where they're in charge mm -hmm. or having a woman at the front of the class and making that the new normal, making it normal to be teaching, not just the women's only classes, but co-ed classes as well. Ethan, what kind of goals do you have going forward? I mean, I know you said you're going to take a little bit of break, work with your, uh, you know, your teammates and make sure you're a good teammate and instructor, but long-term, what are the goals looking like for you? Long-term, I'd really like to get into the more coaching aspect. I, um, I, I've done instructing before. I don't do as much instructing where I'm teaching the classes, but I do a lot of the coaching, helping the guys, especially like when we're going to tournaments and stuff, getting on, getting on the side in the chair, coaching for the guys, especially we'll have probably sometimes as many as six or seven people going at one time on the mats in a tournament that, you know, yeah. Professor Joe and Jason can't do it all by themselves. So usually the black belts of the upper ranks kind of split off and we'll just group up at one mat. We'll go to each mat and then we'll just coach from there. I, um, I'd probably like to eventually get into another MMA fight or do some more stand-up stuff, but that's more so just it, if it, if the opportunity prevails. Uh, but I'd like to just kind of, I'd like to just keep on helping to build our guys up at the gym and keep helping build the gym. We have a, I think we've had a really good program that's been developing over the past 10 years. So we have a lot of these young guys that are coming up now. They're starting to get, you know, blues, purples, getting ready to, progress to the next stages they wanted to get more competitive so i really i really just like helping those guys train to meet their goals it brings me joy whenever i get to see them realizing their goals and accomplishing what they want to and just knowing that i'm able to be a part of it all you know what what has allowed you to just to stick with it you know becoming a black belt is not easy or else they they would be everywhere you know what kind of tips could you give to someone who's starting out or white and blues or even purple belts to to stick with it uh, I definitely say it, it starts at home without a good support system from home. You're probably not going to be able to last, you know, I mean, it for us, it's, it's a little bit of a strange situation because rarely do we even train together because uh, if I'm at the night, if I'm at the gym one night, she's at home with our child. And then the next day she's at the gym and I'm at home. But I'd say a lot is, you know, we have a, we have very supporting parents and family and brothers and sisters. So they all, 
we're a very close family. So they all help support out, even if it's sometimes babysitting whenever we have events we have to go to. But I think it also is your gym environment. If you feel that it's a good tight fit for you, like we love being at our gym. We love Texas third coast. We feel like it's not just a gym. We feel like it's a giant family. We're all part of the family. I think it's just having that right environment to support you will real is what will really help you with your longevity of staying training. And then probably the fact is just even on when you don't feel like doing it anymore, you just kind of feel like, ah, just getting boring. You're getting in monotonous, just stick to it. Cause that's just a phase. It'll, it'll pass. It'll go away and you'll start and you'll re- realize again. Oh yeah, this is why I love jujitsu, but just not, not stopping is the biggest key to continuing. Once you stop, you get stalled. It's really hard to start back up again. Sarah, you mentioned putting too much time in, you know, I've worked too hard to get to this point to just quit now, you know, could you answer that same question? How do you find that, that motivation to keep going and just keep pushing? So, um, actually a good example that I, that I usually like to use for a time, a major time in my life that I actually wanted to quit was actually at Purple Belt. And it was right after I had my daughter. Um, cause I was, I was, uh, really, really sick during my pregnancy. Um, I was diagnosed with hyperemesis. And so it, for those that don't know, it's basically morning sickness, but all day and multiple times a day, it was to the point where I had to have, um, IV infusions. Like it was, I was miserable. And so mm-hmm. that whole time I did not get to train. I, you know, more power to the women that are able to train whenever they're pregnant. I was unable to, um, but coming back, it was very difficult because whenever I came back as a purple belt and I had been out for a little over a year, um, cause I waited a few months, even after, uh, after my daughter was born to actually get back on the mats again. And I remember the first night I went to go train and I was getting my butt handed to me by white belts and blue belts. And I was like, why am I even doing this? Like, and even, and my coaches came to me and my press came to me and they said, look, take it easy. Like don't beat yourself up too much because it's going to be difficult coming back, but you will pick it up eventually and you will be able to get back into the rep of things. And I remember in the beginning, I was very hesitant and Ethan always made himself available. And he told me, he's like, look, he's like, I'm not going to force you to go back in and train. It has to be your decision to go back in and train. Um, but he said, look, I will make myself available. If you, he's like, you can trust me to take care of our daughter. Like I will do a good job. The house will not be burned whenever <laughs> you get back. Um, but having that support system. So like what he was saying about uh, having that support system at home, having that support system at your gym, also extended family, your friends, having those people there to be able to help you. Um, and like I said, it's not, it, it really comes down to you. You know, are you wanting to put in that time? Are you wanting to put in the work to that it takes to get that black belt, to stay in with it for the long haul? Because I know jujitsu is one of the longest, one, one of the longest time frames to get your black belt in martial arts. Um, but that's my, my own personal is that you really do have to have that. You still have to have that drive though. Even with all that support, you have to have that drive to be able to uh, show up on the mats every day. Sarah, what kind of long-term goals do you have? So I am more so getting into um, trying to get into instructing for seminars Um Again, I've started instructing at our gym. I started instructing at uh, Third Ward Jiu-Jitsu as well. 
Um, so really just kind of sticking with the instructing and, but also, like I said, looking into doing more seminars, I've done girls and geese seminars. Um, we're actually hosting, um, in May we're hosting, uh, it's called rise and roll. It's a, uh, women's only open mat. Um, it's going to be, uh, through, uh, AJ Klingerman. She's out of, uh, Indiana. Um, and she runs the, um, uh, uh, role model women's only grappling camp. Um, and actually Danielle Guevara and myself, we go every year and, uh, they do an indie based camp. They also have one out of Costa Rica. And so she is, uh, AJ Klingerman. She is amazing. She does so much to, you know, giving back to the jujitsu community and also for women in jujitsu. Um, and so she's going to be coming down. She'll be in Houston area with us, um, May, I think it's May 28th. And then the following Sunday, she'll be up in Dallas area as well. Could you tell me a little bit more about the, I guess, the atmosphere, the culture of Third Ward Jiu-Jitsu? So Third Ward is a, uh, it's a nonprofit. So they're, it's not a big facility, but they are very, they, they wanted to have an environment that it was very open um, to others and making their, uh, their students feel safe in their environment. They're also LGBTQ friendly. Um, and they're just trying to help bring jujitsu, especially to, uh, you know, I know that sometimes, um, like inner city areas, they get a bad rep for things, but they're trying to help bring jujitsu into the community and also bringing the community together through jujitsu. That's awesome. Yeah. I remember hearing about third ward jujitsu as a nonprofit and, and how they operate and stuff. And I thought it was really cool. Yes. Sarah, Sarah and Andrew, uh, Sarah and Andrew Degar, they're, they're honest. They're really, they're really great people. Um, if you're ever in the area out in, uh, third ward area, you're more than welcome to join us myself. And again, uh, my teammate, Danielle, we both teach classes on Saturdays and it's our women led classes. A lot of times it makes it, they do make it open. So other people from other gyms can come and train as well. There's no, you know, you don't have to worry about like, oh, well I train at this gym, so I can't come here. No, they, they want to make it open for everybody and make it, make jujitsu available for everyone. If you're just joining us, I'm talking to Ethan and Sarah Chamberlain. They both train out of Texas third coast MMA Ethan, is there anything else that you would like to share about your career or about the gym? Anything at all? Um, you know, I think I think Professor Jason had mentioned earlier, but we have the combat game leagues coming up. I can't I honestly can't remember the date for that. So but if you check out the Facebook page, it's on there. Um, so if it's a good beginner for anybody and then we'll actually have, I believe, right now, three guys fighting on the next Fury card at the amateur series, uh, April 10th, I believe. So if y'all are in the, uh, area, check that out. Yeah. And they stream them live on their Facebook page on Fury fighting championship. So it's so entertaining. And I guarantee you, once you watch one, you'll either subscribe to UFC fight pass, or you're going to make sure that you get tickets and go watch an event live. And I, I mean, I love the pro events and they're, they're great, but those amateur events are just as good. I would say 100% just as good. There's so much fun entertaining the energy. You can't, recreate it yeah it's something different to actually be in the building when it's happening than to just to watch it on tv i'd suggest anybody who's curious about it if you have a chance to be able to watch it in person it's a whole different experience and it will really uh really change your mindset about about that that energy level like you said flowing through the place what about the energy in the cage what's what's that what's that difference you know for for me my experience it was it's kind of like once that cage door closed and as soon as the ref said go, 
almost everything else faded away. It was just me and my opponent. And, uh, you know, it's funny is even though you're only in there for three minutes in a round, it almost feels like you don't know how long you've been in there. It's hard to keep track of time. Everything just kind of starts dilating, but, uh, it's, it's a whole different ball game when you're that person. in. so I give anybody props who steps into that cage to, it takes a lot of work just to be able to get into the cage, whether you win, lose, or draw. Sarah, what's it like watching from outside of the cage, watching your husband? Nerve wracking. <laughs> um, I think that that was probably watching him get in the cage was probably one of the most nerve wracking things that I've ever dealt with. And um, I think it's, I was even more nervous, I think waiting for him um, than I was ever whenever I competed. <laughs> Yeah, I can't I can't imagine. But yeah, that that aspect, the husband and wife training together is one thing and then competing together. And and it's I'm sure it's something that you can't unless you've been there, you can't explain it. Yeah, we we learned a long time ago that we're really good at supporting each other, but we're not good at coaching each other. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man, that's awesome. Sarah, is there anything else that you would like to share? Um. Oh, yeah, we do have, uh, so three of our girls, uh, Vanessa, uh, Vanessa Lopez, Ashley Martinez, and Daniel Guevara, they will be competing at Sub on the Shore March 19th. So if you haven't gotten your tickets, go ahead and get those. Um, Sub on the Shore always puts on great promotions. So highly recommend them if you're ever looking for a super fight. Um, And uh, if you want to get out there and support our local ladies, which they do a lot of women-only cards, and this one, I believe, is a women-only card as well. So you want to get out and support your local ladies um go ahead and uh get your tickets for that event yeah and there's going to be on fight as well so if you can't make it yes. maybe you're not in the houston area then you can watch it on fight go subscribe so that way subs on the shore can keep coming back to houston and going all over the country and putting on these really cool cards spotlighting some very very talented individuals i want to say thank you so much to y'all and and thank you to professor jason professor joe for always just being I guess, monsters in this Houston MMA community and just putting on and and keeping it alive and going. Thanks for having us. Thank you.